0: Live from my living room, it is The Rant. How is everybody doing today on this uh, beautiful Tuesday? Uh, We now have, count them, just one, two more days left until there is no NFL football on anymore. Uh, And by that, I mean there is going to be NFL football on in two days Every single week now for 23 straight weeks, I believe, if you count the Super Bowl, there will be a break. There'll be a you know two-week hiatus between the super, end of the, when the AFC NFC Championship game completes and then the Super Bowl starts. Does everyone have a week off? And then we'll have like, you know, the lead up. But that means for 23 weeks, if I do my math correctly, probably didn't. But that means from now on, we will constantly have football. Whether it be college football, whether it be NFL football, we will constantly have football from now until February and this is the greatest time of the year and I believe looking at the schedules they've made um the NFL always does a great job when they make their schedules I think it's the best way to do it in sports I don't like that teams sometimes get to make their own schedules I love that the NFL makes the schedules for the teams and obviously you know the matchups per division If you're a football fan, I'm not going to bore you with the nauseum of trying to understand how it all works. And I kind of did some divisional breakdowns, and I didn't get to everybody's, but, you know, tough took us. You're going to have to deal with it. Uh, Moving on, though, I want to talk about some college games really quick because I'm not a huge college football guy. I know that is shocking to many people. I enjoy college football, but there's a reason why I like the NFL entirely more. Than college. And I will get into that uh, a little bit here as we go forth. But what I do want to talk about is the games that I did watch. I watched, uh, I believe it was Iowa State versus uh, UNI, U- uh, University of Northern Iowa. I know that that sounds like why the hell would you watch that game? But it actually went into triple overtime, I believe. And it was a pretty good game. That was like one of the few good games that were on this weekend. Uh, And then I watched later that evening, of course, the game that probably everybody watched, which was uh, Oregon-Auburn, which was an awesome game. It was low scoring. It was very exciting. Came down to the final nine seconds, and that's what you want out of a game. It's 100% what what college should be striving for. And I don't understand why we don't see more games like this where people go out of conference and they play a, a ranked opponent. And it was a great game. And, and that's honestly why my trouble lies with college is the ability that the, that each school makes their own schedule, which is stupid. And then you can pretty much, you know, if, if you're a power conference, if you're one of the power five conferences and you're one of those leaders in your division to uh, win your division's championship game, you're just going to schedule an easy game to open up with because there's no preseason in college football. So therefore, they kind of give them that because they get to make the schedule, like Alabama playing Duke, for instance, okay? No one on earth, if you weren't an, an Alabama fan, you didn't watch that game. You just didn't. I am a casual college football fan, meaning that I really don't root for anybody. I just like to see a good game. I'm not going out of my way to watch Alabama play Duke. That's not happening. I don't know why teams continue to do this. I understand there's 13 games you play in college football, and wins matter when you're trying to get to where you're trying to go, especially in this new era of the college football playoffs where only four teams make the playoffs, which is also a ludicrous thing, which isn't really a playoffs mm-hmm. at all. It, it, it The whole system, I understand it's better than the old system, but it still needs vastly changed. So I just want to talk about a little bit of that Auburn-Oregon game for just a few minutes, then I want to jump right in the NFL because, again... That's me. But uh, with the Auburn-Oregon game, the thing that nobody seems to be talking about is how horribly Oregon mismanaged that game come down the stretch. Uh, I believe it was, I want to say, like less than three minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were driving. They had the ball. A touchdown or points pretty much ends it for them. They, They win the game. And this was a huge game for Oregon, in the fact that if they won, this would be the first time that Oregon had beaten a SEC team in a very long time and would tr- and it would do great things for the Pac-12 and getting them back in the conversation of being in that Power 5 talk. Because honestly, in my opinion, when people say, oh yeah, the Pac-12 is a Power 5 conference, you're out of your mind. It- you are literally out of your mind. There is not anything that you can take from this game that does not... Does not tell you that basically what has transpired, that uh, that what transpired on Saturday night, pretty much tells you that that they don't deserve to be in the same conversation. So just laying out the strict facts: you had Auburn, who was I think ranked 16th going in, 16th in the country. They were the sixth best team in the SEC. They had a true freshman quarterback starting in Bo Nix, who. This is a crazy stat. Auburn had not started a true freshman at quarterback since 1946 prior to Saturday, which is which is an insane stat. And then you have, on the opposite side, you have Justin Hel- uh, Helbert, who is pretty much uh, set up to be a top 10 draft pick coming out next year. He's a senior. He knows the offense. He's been there for four years. He completely... You know, was supposed to go down and really prove to this kid that he was a better quarterback, and he did not. In fact, this is what no one seems to be talking about. Everybody's talking about the final, you know, 16 seconds of the game where people say, "Oh, maybe Auburn shouldn't have thrown that ball in the end zone." Yeah, I didn't like the call there either. But the fact is, they won the game. They walked it off with a touchdown, sealed the victory. And I'm sure people who bet on the spread and had it by whatever amount of points probably helped the gambling odds. But what i didn't like is a couple series before that Oregon had a chance to win or to go up another score they um ended up i think throwing an incomplete pass and the quarterback got hit uh he then cramped up and they had to call a timeout or um basically an injury timeout which i believe took one of their timeouts off or or they didn't or didn't I'm not 100% sure, but the clock stopped at that point. And now, at that point, it was was third. I think it was third down when the incompletion happened. So that means that they had to bring out their second-string quarterback to go call the play, because it was fourth and two, I believe, to make the sticks, to keep the drive alive. Because their quarterback was not able to walk off the cramp or whatever. So then he's on the sideline. so then they call a timeout. Then they bring in the uh, quarterback, Justin Holbert, again, after calling the timeout, thinking, okay, well, we called a timeout, so our freshman quarterback, the kid who's never done anything in this, uh, you know, in, in in his entire career, excuse me, entire career at Oregon, has never called a play, has never ran a functional snap besides the practice team or doing it in practice. He... Calls the timeout. They go to the sidelines. They bring Justin back in. They tell them, "No, no, no, you can't do that." Which I'm sitting on my couch saying, "You can't do that." He's got to sit out a whole play. A whole play has not transpired. So then, they bring when they bring Justin in, and the referees are telling him, "You have to get off the field." The, the they're trying to set up the play clock. So Justin's has to, now has to run back off the sidelines. Now their coach is forced to take a second timeout. <clears throat> so he literally has taken two timeouts because he took a timeout before and tried to contemplate what he was going to do on fourth down. Then he has he's forced to take a second timeout because he doesn't understand the rules of a quarterback having to set out a play when he is injured. Even though he wasn't injured, he had a cramp. But if you're the quarterback of Auburn and you've been a senior, you understand what you're doing, and you understand that was third down then you did not complete that pass, you have to stand up, walk around, get the Charlie horse out of your leg, drink some water, Call a timeout. You could call a timeout there. You don't have to burn two, you burn one, and then you can take some time, get back, go back, and have the best player on the field to call that fourth and one player, fourth and two, whatever it was. But ultimately, that's what they ended up doing anyway because—or uh, or they they couldn't do it anyway. They had to hand the ball off. So it's fourth and one or fourth and two— and the defense gets to totally sell out because they know this freshman quarterback from Oregon who's taking the place of Justin Hilbert isn't going to run the ball, or he's not going to throw the ball. They're going to run it because he's a freshman who's never done it before in a game. So Auburn gets to sell out. They stuff the kid like three yards in the backfield, and all they've done after this is stop them, get the ball back, and, on top of it all, forced Auburn, or first Oregon, to use almost all I think all of their timeouts. So they had no timeouts left. It was under three minutes to go. It, it, it no, and it was Auburn's game to win. At that point, they just needed to put points on the board. And Oregon had no way of stopping the clock. It was probably the worst mismanage I've ever seen. It was the worst mismanage I've ever seen from a quarterback who's a senior and supposed to know everything. And he got doled by a kid. He got out by a kid who was a true freshman from uh from Auburn who had been playing high school football in the state of Alabama just a year before. It looked terrible. It was terrible for Oregon. Uh, they tried to, you know, this would have been huge for just the Pac-12 as a conference to get a big win over an SEC team. Like I said, Auburn was the sixth, or before going into next, uh, this game on Saturday, the sixth best team in the SEC. Uh, Oregon totally blundered it. It, it was terrible. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything get mismanaged back at at that level, and that's something that no one seems to be talking about, and I don't understand how you can do that from that standpoint as a coach. To not know the rules of a player subbing in, subbing out, and also as a quarterback, just not being able to, you know, tough it out, or just call a timeout, and you can still go back out there and make a crucial play. Either way, it got all sorts of messed up at the end there, and it was just. And and at that point, I literally was watching with a group of friends, and I said, "I'm rooting for Auburn because that was just the worst thing I've ever seen, and and I want Oregon to lose because of the mistake they made there. It it was just so atrocious." anyway so that was exciting we got one good game uh i guess i didn't watch the game uh last night that was uh notre the notre dame louisville game uh i'm i wasn't really that interested i don't think any of those teams are gonna be you know teams i like to uh, like to care about or watch uh the only thing that i was interested in watching the oregon game was uh justin herbert or holbert whatever you say his name um just because of his uh, supposed draft class status of being in that top 10 of a player being selected next year. So that's why I watched that game. <clears throat> Excuse me. But again, teach their own, I'm not hating on anyone who watches college football or loves college football. I come from the Northeast. The Northeast does not have a, a very good uh, track record uh, as of recently in uh, college football. Uh, but in the past, obviously, it's kind of where it all started. Now it is completely dominated by uh, the Big Ten and um, the, uh, the SEC. So, again, I'm not from the South. I didn't go to a big school. Uh, I'm not from the Midwest. I, don't, I didn't go to a school out, out in the Midwest either. So I went to a, a very small school that didn't have a football team. So, again, uh, you can say whatever you want. I'm not a big college football fan. I do watch the games, though. So, uh, obviously, the games that it matters in to me. But pretty much uh, what I want to start breaking down is the games of note coming up. uh, What I have about uh, a little over half the time left here today for the segment. Uh, I want to go over the games where I think are are, that are going to be really, really interesting to watch. Uh, So obviously Thursday night is huge. 5.20 p.m. On my time, so that's eight twenty on the East Coast time. You got Packers Bears at the Bears. I have the Packers taking this one. Um, I think, regardless of how the off went, and I know I questioned uh, to the effects of what was going to happen with uh, Rodgers and the new coach and everything going. Uh, you know, trying to figure out and through the turmoil and and how each of them liked each other's. You know bits of the offense that Rodgers wanted to take with him and mix with the new system, and I thought there would be some butting heads. I think honestly, it's all going to be ironed out, and I see uh, just Aaron Rodgers just going out here and lighting it up. And I think the Packers' defense is a lot better than people give it credit for. And I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I I'm taking the Packers in this game. Uh, I I like the Packers. I, I I just feel like they're just gonna they're gonna overwhelm the Bears. And I think the Packers' defense quietly got a lot better over the offseason. And, uh, I'm just excited to see football as a whole on Thursday night. It should be really exciting. And I'm taking the Packers. I, I just, I just trust that organization. I know it's at, um, it's at Chicago, and that kind of makes it, you know, I'm sure a little bit different just going into the hostile environment. But Packers play there all the time. Uh, the Bears usually, uh, you know, have had trouble beating Rodgers. So I I like them going there and uh, getting the W, starting off the season with a win. And then some other games of note, just just interesting ones where you're going to figure out uh, another good one on Sunday at 1, o- 1 o'clock game that you should watch, uh, Falcons-Vikings. Again, uh, the Vikings, I think, are favored just because they're at Minnesota, but that's going to be a really, really interesting game. You're going to see if Kirk Cousins has it. You're going to see Matt Ryan in the offense with all the weapons because they got Devontae uh, Freeman back. Uh, Julio Jones is out there uh, just coming off that uh, major contract uh, or I think talks of a contract. I I believe he he is going to sign one pretty soon. And uh, it's going to be good. I I, I have a feeling that the Falcons are going to uh, win that one. I think they're going to upset the Vikings. I just don't. No, if uh, from what I saw in, in the limited appearances of Kirk Cousins, although he did play more than I think most starting quarterbacks did in preseason, he just didn't look good, and I don't trust Kirk Cousins um, right now. I, I think I think that you got to go with Matty Ice here and just take the like Matt Ryan at face value, the better quarterback, and uh, just go from there. So I I definitely love. I'm not not in love with the Falcons right now, but I do pick them to win over the Vikings. But I do see this being a good game. Again, another matchup also at one o'clock of note is Chargers Colts. Now, this game's probably going to be heavily watched because both these teams are AFC teams who need to win early and get on the right track. The Colts, who literally had all the air just pushed out of the balloon they need a life spark. They need something to get them going, and winning against the Chargers would be huge. It would get the fan base back energized. If they lose this game early and start slumping, I have a feeling that the fan base is just going to give up on the Colts, and the Colts are just going to have to go through a full rebuild where they are going to have to make some moves because, honestly, on paper, you look at everything besides the quarterback position, and the Colts were... Um, set up to be such a great team, which is why when I talked about the Andrew Luck, uh, retirement, or more like a quitting, but you know, to each his own. I'm not disrespecting. Like I said, in that entire episode, I don't disrespect Andrew Luck for what he did. I just think it was a shitty way to do it. I would not have done that to my teammates two weeks before the start of the season. I understand. Whatever I would have been like, hey, put me on IR. I'll try to come back. I'll try to rehab. And in six weeks, if so I'm not good, just cut me. Right? I'm I'm done. But you shouldn't just completely destroy the franchise like that. And I'm saying they still have a chance. I think Jacoby Brissett's probably one of the better backups in the league. But I think it's possible they can beat the Chargers because Edron James is uh is got is gone um. From the Chargers' back end, he is the best player on the Chargers' defense, uh, besides uh, Bosa. But he is so athletic, and uh, so Derwin James is is a is a person to to they are going to miss, and he's going to be out I think till sometime after Thanksgiving, which is a huge loss for the Chargers. But that game's going to be really interesting. It's going to see who can bounce back. From a player retiring/slash quitting/slash a player who's injured, and see which team can battle, uh, battle it out. So another good game to watch. Um, I like another good game that I was thinking of. Oh yes, the Titans Browns. Again, this is if we're going to see if the Browns hype's for real. Titans are going into the Browns. Everyone is not giving the Browns any credit at all. I think the uh, Titans, rather, I'm sorry, everyone's giving the Browns way too much credit. I think Titans can quietly go in here and upset the Browns at home, and I think it would devastate them. I would devastate the Browns if this would happen. I think the Titans have a shot to do so. I think they are very complete, uh, both up and down the roster on both offense and defense. The quarterback position is a little eh, but I think they have enough weapons to get it done, and I think Everyone's been talk, 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 talk about the Browns. Quietly, the Titans have been going about business, and I guarantee you everything they hear about the Browns in the offseason has just caused the Titans to work a little bit harder, just practice a little bit harder to get to that point to be like, we're going to go into Cleveland, and we're going to smack these guys in the mouth. So I'm looking forward to that game a whole awful lot. That is also a 1 o'clock game for you people on the East Coast, 10 o'clock out here on the West Coast. Another good game that the line is even on, 100% even. I I don't know what you're going to get. I, I had to do a pick em, uh for my work. We just circled the, the whole week one of who we thought was going to win and where. Uh, I stopped and I thought about this game for probably five to ten minutes because I just couldn't make up my mind who I liked in this game. Uh, 49ers, Buccaneers. Now, you're going to say, Eli, that sounds like an absolute snooze fest. I don't think it will be. I think you're going to have the Niners that are trying to establish if Jimmy G's the guy. Uh, they put pieces around him. I understand they had the uh, McKinney injury that really affected the backfield, but I think the Niners are good on defense 100%. Offense, they don't, have a, they don't have great wide receivers. They have okay wide receivers, but I think Jimmy G, this is the time where he's going to shine. But I will tell you, I didn't take the 49ers in this game. The line is even. It's 100% even right now. But I think the Bucs will be better this year under Arians. I think Jameis Winston gets it together. He gets the ball out of his hands quicker, and he has a lot of targets. They have a great tight end in O.J. Howard, who I think Bruce uh, Bruce Arians utilizes the tight end position so uniquely, and they will use specific packages to make sure he is open. And, and I, I, I'm i taking the Bucks in that game. But again, the line is even. I've, I went back and forth a bunch of times. The only thing I, I really came up with was that the Niners are traveling all the way from Santa Clara to Tampa Bay to play the Bucks. I just, on the home field advantage alone, I am taking the Bucks in that game. Again, it is a, it is a wash. I don't know what you're going to get in either one of those games. But again, an interesting game to look forward to coming this Sunday. Uh, Another interesting game is the Sunday night game, which is Steelers-Patriots. Now, everyone is on the the team of the Patriots saying they're good until they're not good, right? That I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until they are good. But they have a lot of problems right now, the Patriots do. Julian Edelman is uh, dealing with a nagging thumb injury where I think he dislocated his thumb, and he is questionable for week one. Their center, um, I forget their center's name, but he is injured, and I think he is out for at least half the season. So he's not playing week one. That's a very important position because the center is the quarterback on the offensive line. He sets up the protection, and Brady's going to have to get comfortable taking snaps from a new person it can throw in a whole monkey wrench of things if you're not comfortable and if you don't know what you're doing center is probably the most important position on the offensive line besides left tackle there them them not having the guy there that usually is there is huge and i would expect that the steelers understand this and they use techniques by driving in you know the the one gap to take advantage of the weaker position being a second string center. I also think not having a, a true wide receiver one as of right now is going to hurt them. They, Nikhil Harry is injured. He is on IR. He, there is no, um, uh, knowing when he will be back. They believe halfway through the year. They're not sure. Could be a few weeks, could be longer. It's uh has to do with a knee injury. Again, all they have right now is the fact that, uh, Josh Gordon is apparently with the team, but they're not sure what his status is. If he'll go week one, Belichick has yet to confirm that. Uh, Again, like I said, Edelman is dealing with a nagging injury. We're not sure if he's going to go. I would assume he'll probably be ready for week one. But again, they no longer have Gronk. They have injuries on the offensive line. Tom Brady is a notorious slow starter. The Patriots have, in fact, been in situations where they've had to face week one opponents and been punched in the mouth at home, on the road, vice versa, doesn't matter. Now, I will give the fact that the Steelers have yet to beat Brady in Foxborough, and this game is in Foxborough. But besides that factor, the Steelers are coming in to week one super healthy. They, don't, they really don't have any injuries from that standpoint. They had one injury, and it was Joe Hayden, who just signed a brand-new deal. He's energized. He wants to be ready for week one, and by all accounts, he is ready for week one. That's the only injury of note coming into the Steelers for week one. This is a team who got rid of all the noise, quietly went about their business, and had probably one of the best preseasons of any teams if you watch the film and really look at what they've done. I understand it's hard to take from preseason and use it accurately, but by looking at the preseason, they're going to have a really fast defense, and the Patriots are going to be a really run heavy, and I like that the Steelers have Devin Bush, and and I know this is being 100% jaded by me being a Steelers fan, but I am telling you, I am taking the Steelers in Week One for an upset. It's a five point. I think it's a five point five is the line plus minus. I'm taking the points. I'm taking the Steelers plus five. I would t- I would bet the Steelers pull this out. I just think the Patriots are a little banged up. They always take a little bit to gain steam, and Belichick knows he can lose games early and rely on winning games later. So, not saying that they purposely take this game off, but we've seen teams go in there and just want to show up and it's, I understand it's going to be banner night. It's going to be a big deal there, but I just feel like the Steelers have a, had a great offseason. They're coming into this game pretty refreshed, and they want—they they just want to quiet the noise. That's the team's model right now of just silencing the noise. The other interesting game is the Monday night game. Well, there's two Monday night games. It's Saints-Texans, which is another good thing. We're going to see um, how all those offseason acquisitions of the Texans going out and getting all these guys at the deadline, pretty much. Uh, And I mean, not that the deadline, but pretty much at the deadline of the start of the regular season. Again, I think it was a bad move to get these guys when you did and try to plug them and play them. It's not going to work very well at the beginning, and maybe it'll get better at the end, but you're going to have a lot of guys that don't know the system and they weren't with you at all, all through training camp. It's going to be hard. It's going to be slow. So I have the Saints in that Monday night game, uh, hands down. So I, I, I'm not I'm not too worried about about that game. I'm 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 going to take the Texans in that game, or I'm going to take the Texans losing that game to the Saints. It's at home. It's at uh it's at New Orleans. So I'm taking the Saints. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what the Texans offense looks like and their defense with all their uh, different acquisitions that they've made over the past um, few days here. And then finished it off the week with Broncos Raiders. Again, this will be an interesting thing because if you listen to the nauseam that is my local radio station, they will tell you that the Raiders are the sleeper team to uh, make the playoffs. I think that is laughable. I think that is utterly garbage. I think that is people just drinking the local Kool-Aid here way too much. I see the Broncos coming into Oakland and smacking the Raiders in the mouth. And then it will quiet everybody down. I don't think the Broncos are a great team. I just think the Raiders are in shambles, and uh, and that'll be another game that I think people will laugh at. Another interesting game, though, is Cowboys-Giants. and In this game, I think the Cowboys will win easily, but the interesting note is if the Cowboys struggle, Zeke gains leverage here because I don't think Zeke's playing week one. I'm just going to let everybody know. Zeke is probably not playing week one. If you have a fantasy team, go out and get Tony Ballard. Okay, he's going to be the week one running back. He just is. Zeke's not coming week one. You heard it here first. Write it down. He just isn't. So get Tony Ballard, put him in your fantasy lineup, and reap the benefits. Um, That's pretty much all the the logic and uh, talk I'm going to do today. I'm going to do some more stuff leading up. We're going to do some more uh, interesting things from around the league, more uh, interesting notes with the Melvin Gordon trade request, still the Zeke holdout, the Cowboys signing uh, Laryl Collins. There's a whole bunch of stuff I got to get to. So maybe I'll do another episode today, but I just wanted to get out there and get super pumped up about football being this week. So if you are pumped up about football, please hit me up on my Instagram page at The Rant With Eli. You can tweet me at The Rant Eli. You can email me at Eli at gmail.com. Let me know why you're pumped up about the season, what you want to hear, what's your picks. Who do you think the upsets in week one are going to be? And I want to hear all of it. So please hit me up in those platforms. Again, I would appreciate it. Also, if you could share the podcast with friends, family, your dog, your grandma, your grandpa, your cousins, your uncles, your whoever, and just let people know about it, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening, guys. And I will be back with more content soon. And I'll see you when I see you.